Hello, welcome to another episode of Free Will, Science, and Religion. This is the third episode in a row where I'll be playing a pre-recorded audio clip of a conversation that George Ortega and I recorded through Uvu. It's something new we're trying partly because he needs video recording for his TV show. So those conversations will also be included on future episodes of his show. But for now, I'm giving you a preview by sharing it as part of the Free Will, Science, and Religion podcast. So the idea is you get to hear the conversation on the podcast, but then people also will get to see the video and the same audio on George's White Plains show, Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. So people will see it in both places, twice as many people hear it, that's good. But um, pretty soon, um, future episodes will include the usual gang of other people like Mitch and Mike and David Joseph and some of those people on our usual Skype calls where we've been recording podcasts. We still do that. So anyway, now I'm going to play um, this audio clip that we recorded through Uvu. Hope you enjoy. So George, we're going to explain in a variety of ways why we don't have a free will. We can explain this in a number of ways and so that some people who may not get one explanation can latch on to another explanation and understand it that way. Because we're all different. Because if we had a free will, then we would only require one explanation. <laughs> but we're different. Um, so now a lot of times we go with the causality and a causality example. And so we could briefly go through that, but then I have a second um, thing to, su to suggest as an explanation that I don't think I've mentioned before. So would you like me to go through these? Yeah, or? Um, actually, before we go into the causality, let me just explain, let me just define free will in a way that people can understand, because a lot of times when people, you know, hear the, the term free will, they think people are talking about political freedom or freedom of speech or something. No. This is like free will means that, like, for example, that what we do is up to us. As a good analogy, uh, if you have a puppet or a mannequin, you know, you wouldn't ascribe free will to a puppet or a mannequin or a robot because you know that these, you know, nothing is up to them. Nothing is up to a puppet, right? I mean, the puppet, whether con uh, controlled by strings or a hand, it's not controlling what it does. It didn't create itself. It's not controlling it. All right, so similarly... Because we, because we human beings didn't create ourselves and we didn't program ourselves in terms of our genes and an environment, you know, our, our, um, our nature and nurture, you know, we, we didn't create ourselves, we didn't program ourselves, just like a computer didn't create or program itself and had no free will, we have no free will. That, that's a good way of understanding what the term free will means and how we don't have it. But again, as you were saying, like the most fundamental way of understanding this is because like everything that happens in our reality is caused. Nothing happens without a cause. Chandler, go, in, go into that in more detail. All right. Yes. Um, first of all, determinism, just basically, whenever I say it, just means that everything has a cause. So any anything that you think or feel or do, there's a cause for it. But there's a cause for that thing and a cause for that thing. So we have this causal, causal regression that some people will, like me would say it goes back infinitely. And some people will say, oh, it started with an a causal event that caused the Big Bang. But that doesn't matter 
because it goes back to before we existed as a person. So we cannot claim to be the first cause of anything we think or even feel. So and it's what we do and what choices we make always has to do with what we think, what we believe, how we feel. There's no way we could ever punish uh, – we can't treat anyone um, in any particular way based on them believing or thinking or their brain just working a certain way because their genetics and conditioning are not up to them. So that's basic causality um, and why that refutes free will. But then a causality is real quick to explain. If nothing caused it, then you didn't cause it. <laughs> An uncaused event implies one that we can't, we can't even, we can't even have knowledge of, of that it's happening or why, because there is no why. It's uncaused. <laughs> so that's exactly. Yeah. And just like before we go into these other ways of understanding why we don't have a free will, just very briefly, the reason we're doing this show is because, like, the free will belief is extremely harmful. You know, when you when you ascribe free will to your loved ones and they, you, they do become hostile perhaps with them and then they're going to get defensive then you're going to be in conflict so basically what we're trying to do is create a world that's much more harmonious more peaceful more understanding more intelligent because it's not like people are not going to ever disagree against sure we'll have differences we'll continue to do things wrong because we don't have a free will we can't you know like religion says we're all sinners whatever so like basically as we move from free will belief to understanding that fundamentally nothing's ever up to any of us, we can treat each other and ourselves with far more compassion, and there will be so much more harmony among everybody. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I, on the same side. What? Right, so another, another, you know, another reason, another way of understanding we don't have free will, I mean... Let's let's take a test right now. Okay, you have a free will, meaning what? That you can decide what to think and what not to think, what to choose to think and what not to think. Let's put that to the test. For the next five seconds, I don't want you to think anything at all. I want your mind, I want you to choose of your free will to have your mind go completely blank. Let's see if you can do that. All right, I'm guessing you couldn't, okay? Now, for the next five seconds, for the next ten seconds, I want you to think of the word orange. I want you to visualize an orange in your mind for the next ten seconds. All right, now, like, I'm going to be counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I could guess that I was, as I was counting that, you were not thinking about that orange. You were not visualizing that orange. You were listening. You're, you were conscious of me um, you know, making these numbers or just counting up to 10. So again, that's one really powerful way of understanding. No, you don't have a free will to choose your thoughts. These thoughts just come to you for reasons. Chandler, what's another way of explaining why we actually don't have any amount of free will at all? Yeah. Now, this one goes to a more specific example because for some people, causality and a causality is too abstract for them. So how I another way I like to explain this is that um you know we already know that you would have to be independent of your genetics and conditioning to have a freely willed decision which is impossible but even if you could your your decision would have to be 100% independent of what other people do because you well we we know we don't control what other people do 
Free will belief is the idea that we fundamentally control what we do. But if what we do is controlled by what other people do, so when, so when we, so when we fall in love with someone, or, or we're, or we're angry at someone, or, or, so, or somebody calls us on the phone, or some, somebody talks to us, and that distracts us from whatever we were doing, since we did not choose for them to do that, then we did not choose to have the response to what they did. So what other people do determines what we do. So you have to not only be independent of causality and a causality, and you not only have to choose your genetics and your conditioning, you also have to control what every other human, animal, plant, the solar system, the whole universe. You have to control the whole universe to make a decision. Exactly. Now, let's explore that concept from the perspective of morality. Uh, let's say you were raised in a culture, in a family, where everybody you, you, um, you knew was telling you, don't vote because voting is immoral, because the system is corrupt. So, like, you, what you have learned is, like, not voting is a virtue. It's the right thing to do. Now, contrast that to another person who's um, raised in a very political family, in a very political town and, and, you know, society where everybody's telling you, listen, like, good people vote because, like, you know, we're in a democracy, and if you don't vote, you're being irresponsible, you're shirking responsibility. So to the second person, you know, voting is a virtue. Now, you don't get to decide what society you were born into and, and raised in. You don't get to decide what your parents tell you, what, what you ultimately determine is right and wrong. So is that person, you know, like who, who doesn't vote, even though he's thinking that, that not voting is the right thing, are we to blame him for not voting? You know, are we to say that he wasn't doing something that in his mind, according to his experience, wasn't the, the right and virtuous thing to do? So again, as Chandler was explaining, other people, society, the past determines who we are, conditions us, you know, in terms of like what we consider is morally right and morally wrong. And that's what determines our behavior. You know, we, we, we cannot separate ourselves from that kind of conditioning. Yeah. And George, this is very important because each person, they were taught a certain morality. They were taught a certain way in which people ought to behave. However, Every other human on the planet grew up in a different family. Most of them went to a different school. Many of them have lived their whole life in a different country with a different legal system, with different religions, different morality taught to them. And then somehow they believe that everyone is fundamentally responsible and, and blameworthy when they don't match up to the morality that they were taught since their life began, which is irrational. It's insane. Absolutely. All right. Another way of understanding why we don't have a free will. You're faced with a decision to eat an apple or an orange or to go on vacation to Florida or to California. Now, you've got two possibilities, right? What's going to happen? The strongest of these two motivations, you know, do I want an, an apple or do I want an orange? And like basically the strongest of these, maybe you had an apple for, for breakfast and so you'll choose an orange. Or maybe like 
you know, you saw a, um, a commercial for an orange later in the day, and that reminded you of oranges. So anyway, like, so basically another way of understanding why we don't have a free will is whenever we're faced with a decision, you know, either or, or the choice, it could be three choices, it could be however many, you know, the one that has the strongest motivation is always going to win out. And that's not up to us. I mean, we don't get to decide what we prefer at a given time. We actually like, you know, this... Sometimes people say, well, you know, it feels like we have a free will. It really doesn't, you know, because basically what happens, like, when we make any decision, we're, like, faced with the decision, and then all of a sudden the answer comes to our mind. You know, oh, I've decided I'm going to eat an orange. That's what I want. But we didn't decide that's actually coming from our unconscious. And Chandler, maybe we can go segue into this to like an explanation of how, because we have an unconscious, that's yet another way of understanding why free will is absolutely impossible. Yeah, but I just wanted to repeat something you said there. We don't actually feel like we have free will. A lot of people claim that we feel that we're in control, that we feel we have free will, and I don't know what they're talking about because I don't feel that way. Especially right now, I want an orange because you asked me to visualize that orange earlier. So now I'm thinking about an orange. See, you caused me to want an orange, and I don't have any in the house. So now I'm sad. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I guess we'll talk about the unconscious next. Yeah, so, all right, so, like, um, basically, here, here's another way of understanding why we don't have a free will. Um, we define the unconscious as the unconscious because we're not conscious of it at any given moment, okay? We might become conscious of what's in our unconscious. Like, for example, let's say I memorize or I, I recall the concept of a building, Okay, this concept of the building was in my unconscious 10 seconds ago, and I just, like, recalled it now. Okay, we can do that. But the thing is, what you have to remember is that, like, all right, the unconscious is basically what's not in our conscious mind. What is consciousness? Consciousness is simply what we're aware of on a moment-to-moment basis. Okay, consciousness, this is very key, very important, Consciousness is not a data storage mechanism. We don't store data in our consciousness. Right now, I'm conscious of like this camera. I'm conscious of hearing myself talk. I'm not conscious of all the vast data that I have stored in memories that's all stored in my unconscious. Now, see if you follow this logic. If all this data, if all this memory is stored in the unconscious, and by definition, we are not consciously aware of, of that data, you know, at any given time, then obviously what's happening whenever we make any kind of decision is the unconscious is shifting, is sifting through all its data, you know, is this a good thing? Is this the right thing? Does this benefit me? You know, what are the moral implications and all? And then, like, then the other part of it is, like, Consciousness is not a decision-making process. Again, consciousness is just awareness. So because the data for, you know, from which we decide anything is stored in the unconscious, then that means that the decision-making process must also be within the unconscious because the, the unconscious part of our mind is the only part of our mind that has access to that information. So I know this is a bit complex, but I think you can see that, like, because the the memories that we have stored in our mind, you know, are stored in the unconscious, and the unconscious, by definitions, is a part of our mind that we're not aware of, 
that explains clearly how all our decisions, you know, start in the unconscious and then the unconscious, if it wants to, because a lot of times it will, um, it will not tell us what, why we're making decisions. There, there actually are a lot of experiments in psychology that show this with hypnosis and all. But so like if the unconscious wants to make us consciously aware of not only what it de- decided, but why it decided it, it can, but it's all in the discretion of this part of our, our mind that's not up to us that we're not even aware of. Yeah, let me clarify and simplify this for our audience here. Basically, we are lucky if we can remember uh, from our unconscious the right data at the right time to make the right decision. Because we don't, we, we aren't able to access all our memories. We know this. H- how come I cannot quote a book that I've read word for word? You know, I don't have the ability to store data um, in my memory and retrieve it whenever I want, like I can do on the computer. So we don't have this control. It's an unconscious process that decides for us which memory we have at the time. And as Sam Harris would say, you know, you're not free to do that which does not occur to you to do. So a lot of mistakes are simply not remembering a certain thing at the right time. And like, here's an example. Um, it's like a deck of cards. Like, what are the chances if you have a shuffled deck of cards that you will, you'll intend to pull out the ace of clubs, but you pull out a different card because you don't know which order the cards are in. And our, our brains are kind of scrambled like that. <laughs> okay. But it, the difference in, in this example is actually like, you know, in the example you cited, you're kind of like consciously picking a, a, a card, whereas like what happens in our brains is that our unconscious is actually picking those cards. So like, you know, again, because that's where all the uh, decisions make are, are, are made. All right, another another way of understanding why we don't have a free will that, that's much less complicated than this, this concept of the unconscious is our biological hardwired programming. If if you remember your junior high school science, they may be actually teaching this in the elementary schools nowadays. Um, you will have you'll have learned that all organisms, not just human beings, you know, are motivated, our fundamental motivation is to seek pleasure and avoid pain. You know, all organisms do that. Now some organisms arguably can't don't experience you know, pain and pleasure the way we do. But that's like, there. you know, there, there's another kind of motivation that's biological that's governing them. But like in terms of human beings, we are governed by the motivation, the basic fundamental motivation to always seek pleasure and pain, avoid pain. Now, we may like run a, a marathon, you know, putting ourselves in pain, you know, because then we'll predict that, well, after we run that marathon, we're going to feel so good about the fact that we did and that ourselves that it's kind of like an investment in more overall pleasure than pain. But nonetheless, the equation is always about, you know, what's going to what we predict is going to like bring us more pleasure and less pain. And we can't but do that. In other words, like take an example of a robot on wheels that you create and you program this this robot to make a left turn every time it reaches an obstacle, like a wall or something. Okay, now this robot, you know, encounters a wall, it makes a left turn. Are you going to say that that robot chose to do that? No, it was programmed to do that. It didn't freely choose to make a left turn. So when we are 
choosing something that we predict is going to bring us more pleasure than pain, it's not a free choice. We're programmed to do that. That's how we were made. Yeah. I like this idea of programming because it really explains a lot. Because I tend to say that artificial intelligence is really the same as real intelligence. Although sometimes it's more efficient because the the robots that are built, the computers that are built, they don't have these emotions that get in the way. They are they 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 act more reliably to their programming than we do because we can become distracted. So, but we are robots in the sense just like the robot didn't create itself. Some scientists, some mad scientists created the robot that went out and committed a bunch of crimes, for example. Um, I, I think another example for our audience, because as you pointed out in your show many times, like m- most people are religious. They believe in God. They believe in a an omnipotent, omniscient creator sort of deity that created everything as the cause of everything. But then they also try to believe in free will, which is incompatible. Because if it under, because, and we can go, there's, with, with theology, for example, there's causality and a causality that's a little bit different from what we discussed earlier, but under, like, under determinism, if every event has a cause, well then God can predict the future. Because God knows everything. So God can predict the future and knows everything that anyone will choose, and it, because it has to be based on how God created them and, and all that thing. But then a causality um, basically eliminates God and free will. Because a causality, what that does is it says that there's something that God did not create, but it happened anyway. And and as we already right. know, a causality ma- doesn't make us responsible. So you can't like you cannot believe in free will if you believe in God. So I, I think that needs to be right. said. Absolutely, Chandler. Like, I think your key point is, like, our belief, and it it stands to reason, you know, that God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. Now, what we understand in terms of what omnipotence and all-powerfulness means, it doesn't mean that God can make two plus two equal five. You know, God, with all the power God has, it can't make God's logic be illogical. It can't, you know, supersede logic. So... Just as it can't make two, just as God can't make two plus two equal five, God can't both logically be omnipotent and be able to like grant us the free will to supersede his omnipotence. Either God is like in control of everything or he's not. So if you believe God is all powerful, there's absolutely no way that God could ever grant us a free will because it's simply illogical. It would be kind of like contradicting God's sovereignty or, or omnipotence. Exactly, and I think this applies to very many aspects of life because I think you mentioned in an episode, um, you were with Nick, and you said something about its idolatry, the idea that you're controlling God through your free choices or something like that. It's actually blasphemous. Blasphemy in religion is the idea you're ascribing to yourself an attribute that is reserved for God. So if God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and you're ascribing to yourself the power to make decisions free of God's compulsion, then you're kind of like saying that you have a power that's only reserved for God. That, according to like, you know, at least Judeo-Christianity is blasphemy. So, so absolutely, that's, that's, you know, it's not it's not a religious belief. Um, another another way to understand 
why we don't have a free will is um, this relates to our pleasure principle, you know, seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. Um, across countless decades that, um, that, that, you know, surveyed hundreds and thousands of people, whenever people are asked, what do you most want in life? The answer is always happiness. Okay, but like here in the United States, we're about 70% happy. We're not nearly as happy as we could be. And so the question to ask yourself is like, if you believe you have a free will, you know, that means that you, you believe that you can freely choose not just your thoughts, but also your moods and your states. And happiness is kind of like a feeling, a mood and a state. So if you have a free will, what is preventing you from feeling completely happy every moment of every day? Obviously, when you think about it, you have these negative thoughts, these painful thoughts, this anxiety, fear, you know, whatever it is, coming into your mind. You're not freely willing. They're coming there. If you had a free will, you would be, you'd be able to be blissed out every moment of every day. That's another way of understanding you're not free will. Chandler, like, there's another thing related to that um, that uh, involves morality. Why, why don't you explain how, like, our not being able to be moral as 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 much as we want to, just is another way of understanding how we don't have free will. Yeah, for one thing, we all make mistakes, and if we have a free will, supposedly, and we were in control of everything we do, then why would we ever make any mistakes? Why would we make moral mistakes? Why would we make mathematical mistakes? Why would we ever do the wrong thing? Because we want to do the right thing. Because we, because you know, we believe we feel better about ourselves when we do the right thing. You know. And I think part of that's because of belief in free will. But in any case, even determinists, we still get satisfaction out of have done out of doing the best thing we could have done in this situation. So why aren't we able to always do the right thing? And so the very fact that we do make mistakes shows us that we're not in control and that something else is limiting us. And I think it has to do a lot with that unconscious and being unable to retrieve the right memories. Absolutely. And, and our not being able to be as moral as we would want to be isn't something new. I mean, for example, if we want to go back to religion, the first thing we want to note is that the concept, the term free will, is nowhere in the Bible. It was coined around 300 A.D. by St. Augustine. But in the Bible, in Romans, in the New Testament, you actually have Paul basically you know, questioning, he, he's saying to, to himself, he's writing, I don't understand what's going on. I want to do what's right, but sometimes I find I can't do what I want to do. Sometimes I find that I do what I hate. So in this, in these passages, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is directly and strongly challenging this notion of free will. So again, like, because we're not free, because we can't freely choose to do, to be as good as we want to be all the time, because we all, you know, fall short of, of our, you know, desire to do that. That's yet another way of understanding why we don't have a free will. Yeah, I think it is a very clear example. Um, and, and, you know, here's another example. Let me see how we are on time. Okay, yeah. We're, we're at 25 minutes. You got minutes. about a minute and a half. Okay. A minute and a half. You got, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Talk fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I think that this morality thing is a really strong case. We know we make mistakes, and why do we make mistakes? And think about it. 
Um, a lot of people, religious people especially, they believe, you know, that that you have angels and God and you have Satan and demons pushing you another way. So we've got the we've got different forces acting upon us, pushing us towards doing certain things, and that's another way. How if you believe that that God has called you to do a thing that God's compelling you or the devil's compelling you to do something, then how are you responsible for that? So that's an additional way that it conflicts with free will. Excellent. All right, so we have, you know, about a minute left or so, a minute and a half, whatever. So, like, let's say again, to recap, you know, like there's a lot of ways of understanding why we don't have a free will. And you may have to watch this episode two, three, four times to get it, because, like, you know, if it's something very new, you're not going to be conditioned to be able to perhaps understand it immediately. But the more you listen to it, the more you hear the arguments, the more sense it will make. And, again, the reason we're doing this is because this free will belief is extremely harmful. It's insidious because we don't understand the harm it causes. When, When the people who are closest to us, the people we love the most, do something wrong, it's because of this free will belief that we'll become angry with them and we'll want them to be punished. We'll want them to suffer because of this free will belief. To the extent we understand that they don't have a free will, we don't have a free will, free will is impossible, we can be so much more compassionate to them and create so such a better world. Hey, Chandler, we've got about 40 seconds left. Oh, no, we're over. Sorry. Okay. All right. That's it for, for today. We'll be back again with, with other episodes. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation between George Ortega and I, and I hope by now you understand that the argument against free will does not depend on determinism alone, or nor does it depend on indeterminism or a causality, but that the unconscious and the fact that we don't control what other people do and that they cause us to do things, as well as the theological argument against free will if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, I hope that one of those made sense so, so that you understand there are a variety of ways of showing that we are not the first cause of what we do, but that we can still live our lives and get satisfaction in doing what we do.